Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to once again to the Mole Hole, to the Gamekeeper Studio here in West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak brand camo and home of the Mossy Oak Golf Course. Oh, yeah. Good. Nature's you, golf. You know, I'm not a golfer, but that is a beautiful place out there. I'm, no, I'm not either. I grew around, grew up around golf, though. And I'm telling you, what, it was a pleasure putting that to helping to work to put that thing together. That's for sure. And I think the clubhouse just opened up. So, guys, if you come play golf right now, I think you get to see the finished clubhouse. Isn't that right? I, I think so. Yeah, no, there. I know it's right. And there's a there's a pond on there that we helped stock the fish. It's all female You're not supposed bass. to be telling them everything, Bobby. <laughs> well, you know, I think uh, they advertised it. So, oh, uh, so it's, okay. that it's not our little bag, secret right? anymore. No, but I think they're going to grow some really big fish out there because we stocked all female uh, tiger bass. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mr. George really put the forage fish in there, too. So it, they, there's plenty for them to eat. So the idea behind that, having no male fish in there, what what, what are the benefits of that? Just well, you know, people never take the appropriate amount of fish out mm-hmm. of the lake every year. And it, and it takes just a few years, and all of a sudden it's overcrowded. Overpopulated. Yep. And so it also, those female bass don't go through the stress of spawning. Boy, it'd be nice to be that one male bass yeah, in that pond. Was, <laughs> looking for a breeding <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew we'd go there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that is a— So I, they know. would never spawn. They never have eggs. They None of them gets fertilized. So that then, in theory, the lake would never get overpopulated. But I guess you would have to be real conscious about the fish that you did take out of there. Yeah, well, yeah. So if you, you, know, you just keep a record. If you take some fish out, you might want to add some more back at some point. But uh, the Probably, fish, the females still produce eggs. They just uh, they just don't, don't get fertilized. Get fertilized. Yeah. And not, you can't do this with every pond because you if you've got a pond up, uh, if there's any way that a male bass can get in there, it'll just suddenly it'll change everything. Hmm. Well, I bet one gets in there eventually. I'm hoping to play my <laughs> first round out there. Next weekend. Well, good for you. you Look to, at you, Dudley. Yeah. Getting the old. Do you have some persimmon wood stick golf clubs? Do you use the? You know, I should. Yeah, I've you got should. some. I've got a set of Ping I twos that are hand me downs. Oh, okay. I'm a terrible golfer, but I love going to the range. It's really relaxing. Like after a busy day at work, just hit on the range some. So, but I'm a noob. Well, I heard my, this, my I, buddy Roger may be coming down, and me and Vandy and Roger are going to play. Well, if you're if you're with Vandy, you'll be in good company. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Vandy, <laughs> that's a good intro into Blood on the Biologic, and 
I heard uh, I heard Vandy miss miss one. He missed. He missed one. He sure did. You know, and we've talked about it. I think he's replayed the scenario in his head way more than I have. But uh, you know, I, I I'm speaking for Vandy because he's not in here because he won't come and talk on the podcast. I don't know what it's well, but he talks I, all the time anywhere else. We sh- we I've never known Vandy to miss a meal or a turkey. He that's in the first one he missed. But I think what he account he he was trying to get to that spot. I know how it is, you know, when you hear a turkey gobble and you want to get when you kind of survey the woods right there, you're like, I need to be right there. Cause in my opinion, you know, where you set up is probably one of the most important things in able to get to a shot. And he couldn't he doubted he could get to where he wanted to get to, so he set up short and it ended up biting him in the booty. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this. On this side of the table today, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of turkeys missed. We know how to miss turkeys. Oh, my goodness. So I think oh, we, wait, can, wait. we can – On what side of the turkey? Not my side well, of the table. I'm saying you and I miss this year. and myself included. And you end up just getting one enough of a pellet in one that you can I, run but in. But it's down. not a miss. You can't put me in the category with y'all. Well, you I have up, been you end with up you. taking two or three shots to, to but we <laughs> we bring him to the truck every time. Two or three. What is this? It just grows every week. Okay. All right. Well, old Pinocchio so, so, down well, there. But we, you know, Vandy, uh, he'll get over it in a, in a like Mr. Fox says, about twenty years, thirty years. I wasn't here to see how far out his lip was poked, but I bet it. Uh, I it, bet it was. It was dragging. Pretty bad. Yeah. So there's been quite a few turkeys killed in, in the, this past week. The, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned my nephews a time or two, but they just are they, they on them again? Well, they went to Okeechobee Outfitters, and uh-huh. both of them killed an Osceola. Nice. Yeah, that's the same place Jake Meyer killed his. Nice. It's on my and, bucket list. Well, and this is look, I'll I'll say this: they went to an NWTF banquet and and bought one of those hunts. And so it, I'm just telling everybody: if you go to an NWTF banquet and you purchase one of those, you've got a really good chance of going someplace good because that's that's exactly what happened to them. They nice. they got a deal at one of the banquets, and next thing you know, they they've killed Osceola, smashing Osceola. Yeah. So David Holly. Oh yeah, Spence Hoffer—they're all on the board. Uh, Ben's kids, Hawkins and Izzy—they yeah. think yeah. they doubled in Kentucky. Yeah, Spence is wearing them out. We may have to—we have to may do some game check on him. <laughs> well, or either that, or he's posting old pictures or something from well, last he year. He hunts a lot. He goes every day somewhere. <laughs> he hunts a lot. States, he does. So, yeah. So, um, so have you killed a turkey? I have not killed a turkey. What no. about you, Dudley? No, I have not. What about me? Negative Ghost Rider. Well, we're it's gonna have to a, do something about this. I wish I had a good excuse, but yeah. I don't. I've watched a couple die, but yeah. you know, that's not me. Yeah. Well, it's still rewarding. It's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. totally enjoyed it. So, um, today's episode. Now, let me kind of regress. Trying to get get, get us back, back on track. We're gonna have Ronnie Cuz Strickland in. The Cuz. And you know, we, we all love him to death. He's Absolutely. a living legend around here. So we'll be talking to him about some uh, turkey management stuff that he's seen or heard about and some spring food plot stuff. So I think that'll be an interesting one. You think he'll bring his tube call? I uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But there's a chance <laughs> that Toxic could show up Uh-oh. get in here. The so, vapor. So maybe he will. And I I, I would hope so. So this episode is going to be brought to us by the Furminator. Great tool. Yeah, it really is. And if you're into it's one food plotting, one yeah. piece of equipment that can do it all. There's some great folks from over there in Georgia, and they've got some really good stuff. They do. Uh, they've got an ATV. Uh, they piece got an of ATV that you can now? that you can pull. Yes, it's it's hmm. got a lot of good 
bells and whistles on it, if you will. And then they've got multiple sizes and a unit now that's got a uh, a PTO driven tiller on it. Nice. So it, I mean, it's really, really, really beefy stuff that's going to last a long time. <clears throat> yeah. So y'all go to Ferminator.com and check them out. And uh, I, I know think it's our go to. It's our go to piece of equipment around here in the fall for sure. Yeah. I'm look. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a fan. They uh, we we've been associated with them for about eight years time. now. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. So, well, I'm looking at my board here, and uh, Jason McKellar, he has been wearing the crappie out. Yeah. And he told me what lake he caught him on, but I can't remember now. Was it Sardis? Are we gonna? Are we allowed you, to say? You, why you to be to, mad? I mean, Mister Not No Public Lander over there, you're just gonna give away all the guys' secrets. Well. It's a world-class fishing lake in North Mississippi. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really can't remember the name of it. So there we go. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we do this? Why don't Mike? Have you got a commercial for us today? Mike, but I got a commercial. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we'll uh, have uh, we'll have Mac. Let's uh, if you quit texting and come over here. I'll let him talk into your mic. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Golf is at its purest when uh, nature and court. How perfect. Are we playing this? I can tell. Y'all put some thought into this one. Golf is at its purest when nature and course work in harmony to surprise and delight those who play the game. It's at its crossroads of forward-looking course design and habitat preservation at Mossy Oak Golf Club exists. Who it's, wrote this? I, I uh, definitely uh, took this off the website. Okay, you did a really good job. <laughs> its soft footprint on the landscape is sculpted by course architect Gil Hines and shaped with an outdoor knowledge of Mossy Oak, an innovative voice in the world of conservation. Check out mossyoakgolf.com for our stay and play rates. Hey, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I think if this – thank you, Mike. That was really good. and. I think if if we were to hand Max some copy and had a couple of the wrong words in there, you think he would read it straight off? I know. I we should try that. that. We should. We should. But mossyoakgolf.com, yeah. you guys need to check that out. It's, really it's such a neat golf, course. Yeah. And we got to help with the des- a little bit with the, the design, with the, the rough, mm-hmm. uh, all the native grasses. And it, it's just a really impressive and, and unique Course. I've been around hunting and construction my whole life and, and around golf, actually, even though I don't play. And it was a real pleasure to Dudley's point to be able to, you know, they, they took an old uh, dairy farm uh, right outside of West Point. And Gil came in, all these big plans and dozers, and he got out there himself on that bulldozer and pushed the course out over. You know, it was a few months time and it was really enjoyed. It was a joy to watch him. You know, with because it's an art form for him. I mean, he didn't have a he he actually walked out on the land and kind of read the lay of the land, and that's how he designed the course. So, and he um, just puts his headphones on yeah. and goes to work. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, gets on the bulldozer and gets after it. So he's not the guy that just sits out there and tells you what to do. He's actually out there, hands in the dirt, you know, getting after it. I want to say when when he was building our course, he was also like going back and forth working on a, uh, an Olympic course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. He's he's. We're really fortunate to be able to mm-hmm. use his talents here. That's for sure, because he is a worldwide golf celebrity. Uh, we just got lucky to have him here. Well, that's yeah. exciting. So let's do this. Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll have uh, Ronnie Cuz Strickland on here. Maybe we'll have Toxie, the boss, will be here, but uh, I don't know for sure. But I do think Ronnie's here, so we'll get him in here. Cool. <laughs> 
right, everybody, welcome back. We've got Toxie Hayes has made his way in here, and we're excited to see him and have him for a few minutes. He's This time of year is like a vapor. You just occasionally see his vehicle, mm-hmm. and uh, it's there one minute, it's gone the next. That's all cult legend. <laughs> but we've got him here in the in the studio today. And then sitting over here with us is Ronnie Cuss Strickland. Because. And Ronnie is just a living legend. Yeah. And, gosh, he's, he's been here since – Way back, almost day one. Careful, but, but, careful. I, but no, no, I'm not going anywhere. No, no, I predate that. So, Be careful. So, so, <laughs> but what I was going to say, and I think Lanny's got a word for this, but Ronnie is one of the, the few people that is really known by one word. One word. Word, word cuz. It's some, similar to somebody like Cher. That's, oh, yeah. That's or, a big deal. Or Beck. You know who Beck is? I don't know who Beck who, who's is. Who's Beck? You know who yeah. Beck is? Uh, or oh, man. what about, uh, what about uh, Mr. T? Or, That's two words. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, Tarzan. Ooh. There's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I see the resemblance. What do you got? Liberace. Liberace. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hey, got, I got I, one. I got one. I got nothing in got common one. with any of those people you this, just mentioned. Fabio. Oh, oh, no. oh yeah. yeah. No. You have Elvis. 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 Well, that's Elvis. Well. That's enough. That's yeah. enough. Get off of him. Okay. Y'all want to pick on him because he's hosting a... You know, a highly rated podcast of his own, and so y'all get him in here and just like a boxing match with four people against no, one. No, we're not trying to we box. No we we are sh- we are showing our respect, bullies. And uh, but Ronnie, we are cuz we are excited to have you here, and we wanted to 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 just sit down and just have a conversation. Well, you've been all over the United States turkey hunting for a long time, and we wanted to ask you some questions. Well, first off, I've been staring at my phone for. Seven months waiting for this call to come. Hey, we want you to be on the Gamekeepers podcast. So when it came, I felt like I have arrived. (laughs) Right. So good for me for being down here. Well, you paved the way for all of us. No. It's uh, big time. Let me tell you something. I did a thing the other night. Uh, we had some Mossy Oak Properties guys down here at the golf course. And if you want to talk about that, I can I can go down that fairway That's anytime. Right. He can actually play, Dudley. Yeah. But all he that, got a game. And <laughs> none of these, only one of the 10, there was, no, there was eight guys there. Seven of them didn't hunt. And all they wanted to hear was the Mossy Oak story. Oh, they wanted cool. to know about the brand, how it started, and I was giving them the long version, and Toxie showed up, and he gave them the full version, and I'm telling you, their eyes were that big around. And the reason begin is is because it is a it's as cool a success story as you'll find as far as this brand in the country. And I, I have a, a unique view of that because I go around to yeah. a lot of different places and I, I get those questions and it's from, it's not always hunting people and all. Right. Tell me how that brand take place. You know, what, what's Toxie like? It, it's the coolest thing ever. And look, I'm telling you, I get to see it from a whole different perspective than y'all do. So was, yeah, his perspective goes back to the origins too. So when he says he sees that, he means yeah, he's around the country hearing what people say about it. But so for the record, I mean, I'm, I feel like I always talk about one of my favorite speeches by and in sports ever was Gene Stallings as he retired and he said something about him being a visionary and he said it ain't hard to see real good when you stand on the backs of a bunch of giants. Yeah, that always reminds me of. I feel like I've been standing on his shoulder ever since those first days. And what makes it work is he feels the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, But, I mean, I know it's me. The difference is I know I'm right and he's wrong. But but seriously, I mean, when he talks about that perspective, it's because he has literally been there since the first day. Mm -hmm. Even though he might not have already been on board as an employee, he was on board 
in Heart and Spirit of that Moss Elk brand the first day we met him at a shot show mm-hmm. before anything else. Yep. Wasn't, wasn't he working in, in a sporting goods store? In I was. They had Toxie's first shot show. That, this was their first big event. They ain't been in business long, and my wife saw the booth, and she came and got me. I was buying archery stuff. For, this was the first year the NBS was going on, yeah. and I was helping him buy archery stuff because it was all together back then. And she said, there's two guys downstairs that have a camo pattern. I went, what? <laughs> and I, I, this is a true story. This is how it happened. And I'm walking down there, and I get 50 feet from the booth, and I see this big column wrapped, and I'm standing there staring at that camouflage, and I'm thinking, that's the coolest thing. I, I could kill every turkey in Adams County with that. Yeah. And I almost went, did. <laughs> and I went down there and started talking to them, and it was just sparks. Right. And I, I wrote an order. and went back, and I'm calling all these people. About, you got to see this stuff. Because I went and took my own World's Waldo pictures. Toxin had already done that. I was taking mine and putting them in – Rex Sporting Goods, only you need to get some of this. And Toxie literally called me on the phone. He said, dude, you're selling more than we are. You got to come <laughs> up here and go to work for it. And I drove that like like an 84 Ford van up here to meet him. And yeah, we, before and daylight, took him. Uh, he wanted a muzzleloader hunt, and he wanted he was not worried about anything but a doe, which is hell true. Still to day. this day. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to be able to put a doe in the back of that van and haul it home for meat. How about that? Well, you know, and the stories go on and on and on, but when Good you gosh. tell it all, and people love to hear it. I did a, they had a fundraiser two weeks ago in Jackson for the Boys and Girls Clubs mm-hmm. and asked me to speak. I'm like, why would you want, well, they didn't, they weren't that interested in me. They wanted to hear about this brand. Mm-hmm. The brand has grown so big, you know, but it's not just because the brand grew, it's because what it stands for. It's like I said when I sat down here. You can rate podcasts. You can rank anything you want to. If you tune into this one or the other podcast, A Fistful of Dirt, your kids can be in the truck. And that's not by design. That's how we roll. Mm -hmm. And that's something we've always been proud of, and that's always come from the top. It's about the critters and the lifestyle and all that. And that's just the way it is. And people, for whatever reason, especially right now, are fascinated with that because they want that. Right now, with all the people wanting to buy recreational land and get away from this, that kind of stuff, man, that's meaningful to them. And it ain't like we had some big, you know, marketing program. That's just how it's unfolded. <laughs> yep. It's really cool. Best part about it, it's all I'm sorry, the truth. I'm sorry, Bobby. I went off on a no, tangent. No, 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 no. That's no. good. That's exactly you know, what we wanted to hear. I love hearing it. It helps me gain well, perspective because I don't, I'm not good at looking back. I'm always so worried about the Mack truck gonna hit us just like he is that and i've got a lot more mac trucks to watch out for today so i don't look back a lot so when i get to it's very Mm -hmm. um meaningful it's good for me to i mean i say all the time and i know i sound like i'm preaching and it's just what i've learned uh when you are living life with a heart of gratitude everything works and when you don't just watch the times when you cease me 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 why didn't i get that how come he's got that and I don't? I'm having such a t- I can't believe I'm having to work. Whatever it is. And you cease to be grateful. Watch what happens. Mm. And so my point in saying that, listening to him and going back to those origins, it makes me so. It's a, I say it all the time, but I really feel it when I see him talking. It's a miracle, the whole thing. Yeah. That, you know, I just can't believe that something like that happened to me, the dream come true. Well, just because of all the people that have come my way. 
And the great lesson I would give to anybody, and I've said this for maybe 10 years now, I finally learned, I think the biggest thing is, uh, the biggest gift you can give someone really is just believe in them. Because when, as he came along, he just said it. He saw us, he saw the pattern, he believed in us, he believed in that. He believed in, look what happened when all of a sudden, even in early days, you know, you got Bill obviously first and then him and Bob Dixon and others. And they believed in that. They believed in me. And I couldn't let them down either, although I do sometimes. And then everybody believed in what we're doing. And look what happened. And off we're going. It was like an embryo, you know. And now today, it's coming from every angle and every power source and every media source and all these people and all these people that do love the brand. And the, I think uh, today, one of the coolest things, I say that word a lot, but it's just a handle I use is the youth that is starting to really power drive this brand, this business, and they so revere those very origins and those early days and like him and mm. what happened and what's like Mr. Kelly coming to hunt. Mm, right. I mean, it's like, you know, the Pope, maybe more so. Yeah. And uh, like uh, I saw yesterday where one of them bought a pair of original Greenleaf pants and you know, paid $99 and thought it was a bargain. I mean, you know, the way they're going after anything from the origins, and my point in saying that they're grateful and to where we are today. And they understand how small and pure and original it all was way back then. Mm, they so, got a lot of respect yeah, for it. Too. Yeah. And so what we're about is so simple. And it's one thing I've also learned about the, the, the mission, you know, of the brand. It's like connected human beings with nature. Boom, period. That's it. Everything we do emanates from that. So it's a very simple message. Very simple. Just kind of manifests itself in a lot of ways these days because the days we're in are pointing people more and more to get your space, get outdoors, it's your living life to connect with all these wonders that God made for us. And then when they taste it, it doesn't even have to be hunting, although that's in our bullseye. Uh, when they taste it, I mean, we got them and they're off and running and they see that. And that's what's happening today as people run from kind of all this man-made stuff. Um, and we're fortunate to be in a good position for that. Well, I tell you what, sitting here, I mean, I've heard you make these comments many, many times, but they are from your heart. They're straight from your heart. You can tell it's it's coming from a place that means so much to you. And I, I just wish people listening to this could look in your eyes when you're saying this because it's, it's so powerful. I mean, you would you would have been a back in the day. You could have been a, a modern day Vince Lombardi. Oh no, can't please. Oh man, no. I tell you, you you, you can no, motivate, no, no. motivate no, no, no. The, the people. That's for sure. I'm just I'm telling you, it goes back to being grateful. When you're grateful, it just kind of oozes out. I'm not just the kid, the excited little kid. You know, well, it's I can't a, believe this is happening. I'm still that way. So when the subject comes up, I just. You know, you said from the heart. I think it's more from the hip. I just shoot from the hip. What's on my <laughs> What's on my mind? I just spit it out. You know. Well, I, I tell you, it, 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 it's wonderful to hear, and it's 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 such a true story, and it's so authentic. And all of us are, are just we just paint ourselves. Hey, we were all drawn so. to it. I mean, that's how we all ended up here. Yeah. You know, even what well, it is. I mean, it's not me and saying a bunch of pretty words. It's, it is our brand. It's not true. mine. It ain't even close to being mine by a million miles. It's everybody's. Yeah, I can tell you when I walked in here for the first time in the early 90s, I was like, whoa, a place like this actually exists? I'm never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I struggled my way through school, but I was I was really good at one little bitty thing. And, right. and it really, was really, really, really good. And yeah, it really became good. noticed, and I, I truly mm -hmm. believe if I wasn't here, uh, I'd still be struggling to 
you know, find yeah. what, you know. I, I'd be miserable. I know that. That's yeah. a great, te- Dudley's a great testament. Is it like when, you, and, and I'm not trying to put words in people's mouth. I'm not ever trying to put what, words in God's mouth. But when you see someone get that groove who struggled and they just all of a sudden are doing so great, I'm I'm a lot like that, Dudley. Mm-hmm. I wasn't everybody. George Bryan likes to say, oh, he was the smartest marketing guy we ever had down there at Sarah. I said, I was so, I was so far from that. I mean, I'm telling a lot of those people down there, like, what is he even doing here? Because it just wasn't for me. I learned a lot. But when I hit my groove and it's, you know, I kind of didn't know it at the time. And I think, Dudley, when you find what God put you here for, it's just like things open up and you can get so focused and channeled and you Kind of like I said from the beginning, I want to have a place that people love their work so much they can't wait to work to get to work in the morning because they love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You got to spend most of your waking days in life working. So find something you love. To do. Why are you here? And obviously, Dudley is here to help reforest America, <laughs> and we're very grateful that he found us to do it through. Yeah, that's you know, and you've created that environment. There's a there's yep. that's. What you just described is this place. Everybody yeah. loves to get to work. You just got to give people their space, you know. Well, so look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, we can't help but talk here. about it. When no, you no, talk to us talking about the origins, I can't help but because I That's see right. those things and him being here. What what really matters beyond all this stuff I'm saying is those when you get those relationships that no matter how bad it got, they're still there for you. And they didn't just bail out and grass is greener and go somewhere else. And so here he is sitting right there, you mm-hmm. know, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. like like all of y'all, really. And so I'm just overwhelmed, and I have to babble at the mouth about it because it's just so amazing that we've had this life. And being able to help other people see, you know, that wonders of nature. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, so look, I, I've got it. We're, we're going to ask Cuz some questions. We've got some questions for you too, as well, Toxie. Um, Dudley's got some trivia questions we want to start with, with Cousin. But before watch we them, get, watch, watch him, Cousin. Before we get too far, I, we have numerous times Jerry Clower has come up on oh, during God. our podcast. And Toxie's the only person I know that has ever been hunting with Jerry Clower. Bob Dixon. And I was mm-hmm. hoping. Bob Dixon was with me. Yeah, I was hoping you would tell that story. You know, it's not a. It's a lot more about him than, uh, you know, the turkey hunt we went on. Um, we Actually, he came to a common friend of ours' place. It was a Dr. Carruth from Meridian, had a really nice place, south of Meridian. And he knew him, and I, I'm not sure. Maybe we met him. And I think we met him in Dr. Carruth just offered. We didn't have a lot of places to go back then like we did today. And I think that was the first time. The second time he invited us to his place, and we actually went hunting right behind his house, and that's the hunt you're referring to. Yeah, so, that's it. And I've got that silly-looking cowboy pseudo hat on, and Bob's there with me, Hollywood Bob Dixon. But um, <laughs> So he had a uh, – he had, you know, maybe a, I think 100, 200 acres maybe where he lived, and there were some turkeys there. He'd never been, but he wanted us to take him. And um, Was this in Liberty, Mississippi? Mm-hmm, yeah. Sure was. Okay. And Alney um, Cook, I hope I'm right. I think that's right. He was the nicest guy. He was like six foot tall, 110 pounds. And <laughs> flat, get it? Yeah, he was exactly. He just a carbon copy of him. And uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Jerry, Mr. Jerry, Mr. Jerry. And so um, he had like roosted some turkeys, and so he'd built a blind. And so we went in the black dark and got in the blind. That's kind of a lot of the stuff used to be like that back then. And so. 
you know, it's just one of those things. Turkeys flew down where they were supposed to be, and, you know, we called, and here he came up walking up there. But the, I guess the only eventful thing, it was a pretty far shot. And when he raised oh, when he raised his gun, the turkey flew. And when he did, he killed him. Boom. <laughs> and On the way. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he, he kind of waved his gun around getting it up, and, you know. Right. So I still remember – like in typical Jerry Clower fashion, his funniest things were what he said off the cuff, not the rehearsed stuff. Right. I mean, just being around him was way more entertaining than even watching him on stage. It was crazy how his wit was. But he he shot the turkey, went down, and I jumped to run in, and I could hear uh, Alden was sitting under his wing on the other side, peeking. He said, Mr. Jerry, you got him. Oh, my gosh, you, that shot. I can't believe you made that shot. He said, Alden, I've done told you again and again, you ain't exactly dealing with no novice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He just moved. And so, sure enough, he rolled him up, and we still, I still got that picture. Um, Bill Turner, who ran the National Network, mm-hmm. was there, who was a friend of his. And obviously, Jerry Clower was a very, very big deal to the OTN days, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I still, and, and Bob was there and all. And I also learned about, I spent the night with them and stayed there a day or two. And I learned about caffeine migraines because I drink coffee every day. I have since, I guess, I, I think Mama put it in my bottle when she fed me or something. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'll, I'd live to get up and get that cup of coffee. And so, I got back. Miss Homelane had built had a a great breakfast. I mean, a five star sausage, bacon, toast, grits, everything breakfast. And I, you know, do you have some coffee? Yes, sir. It's a big cup of coffee. I drank two cups. It was really good. And about twenty minutes later, I had like someone shot a broadhead through my head. It hurt so bad, and I was like, something's wrong with me. You know, I may may need to go to the doctor. I mean, I was just about blind with a headache. She said, "Oh, you drink coffee every day, don't you?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said that was decaf. You got a, <laughs> you have a decaf migraine, and so she taught me. I still remember that from that staying with them. That if you have ca- caffeine every morning when you drink the decaf, all of a sudden it triggers what your, you know, body expects, and it doesn't happen. Which <laughs> is the, const- the and it const- it, instead of constricting the capillaries, they expand. Oh, wow. And I have never touched uh, decaffeinated coffee again, ever. <laughs> oh, I bet. Well, wasn't there part of the story? Don't I remember you talking about riding around in his Cadillac down dirt roads yeah. going 100 miles an hour? No, it's more like 85. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was showing me around the county, and he would, you know, he would go around a curb and a gravel road, and, it, I mean, literally would be skidding on the back end, and I was just hanging on. Surely he knows what he's doing. And he would <laughs> skid to a stop, and I still remember there was a – Old country bridge and a beautiful, almost looked like coming out of the mountains, Clearwater Creek coming through there, just beautiful. And he was like, that's the creek where, it, I think he said 12 years old, me and Miss Homelane were baptized together. Wow. Even huh. back in those days. And so it was really cool. You could see a little pool in a worn out spot. I guess that's where the church went to baptize people. How about Man. that? I still remember that. But yeah. he would... He would lock the brakes up two or three times in about an hour. He would lock them up and stop and talk, tell you something, you know, instead of driving further. And then he <laughs> was off again. <laughs> what a great, what a great memory. Yeah, he was, you know, some of it, I, I, I can't remember. I, at some point I should write it. And it was probably in two or three times I was with him there. Uh, some of the sayings that he said, it's kind of like the sayings from my dad. It's from a different generation. When he first came here, and he came to the office. We went down to Anthony's. I love this one because I never heard it before. 
And so we went through, and Anthony's first started, just really famous now, but it's changed. It was a buffet. And we go through, and they were famous for like that old South cooking, like you can get at Waverly now. They had turnip greens and fried chicken and mm-hmm. all fried catfish oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. all stuff. And so we're going through, and one of the guys that worked for us was a big coon hunter. And of course, it was like God was there when Mr. Jerry got there. <laughs> sure. And so he was like going through the line, just kind of, you know, honestly, kind of getting on his nerves a little bit. Mr. Jerry this, Mr. Jerry that, you know, dogs, I trained this dog, that dog. What do you think about this dog? And so we finally got up there, and so he they saw the boiled okra. And he's like, oh, Mr. Jerry, love me some boiled okra. Don't you? I bet you love it, too. It's an awesome. I can't eat it. He's real serious looking on his face <laughs> like it was a gave him a disease or something. No, sir, can't eat it, son. I, I'd love to, but I can't. Why not? Mr. Jerry said, man, I ate so much when I was a kid, my socks wouldn't stay up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it just man. it's stuff like that. It was, was just one after another, and yeah. he was a genuine deal, you know, American original. Yep. Well, I tell you what, people listening to this, younger people, if you hadn't heard a Jerry Clower story, I think go you can go to YouTube, yeah, yeah. There. Google Jerry Clower, or just and, just ask people like Jeff Foxworthy who their heroes were that's in right, comedy, that's true. and they'll tell you yep. real quick. He was a he was a mess. Now I love listening to him. I do too. All right, well let's shift gears a little bit. And Cuz is over there texting. I don't know he's he's got what he's got going on, but I'm making a post. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm high tech. You, yeah, are. you are. You you are. Well, I tell you what, we've uh, uh we've uh, have been real impressed with your your podcast. We feel like we're just walking right in here behind you, but you are plowing ground every day with your podcast and we're just Thrilled to death to have you in here because we've wanted to from day one. We've talked about you being a, a future guest, but we needed to get organized a little bit. So, with with that said, though, what I was hoping to talk to you about today is two things: managing turkeys, what you've seen as you've traveled around, and what you've learned the hard way through trial and error about spring and summer food plots. So, my first question, and Lanny's going to have a question as well. Dudley's got a list that's going. But just to get it kicked off, is as you've traveled around the country filming hunts for all these years, have you noticed things that are there things that people do to manage for turkeys that have caught your eye? And you've said, well, that's a good idea. I'm going to take that back to my farm one day and do that. Oh, yeah, lots of stuff. You know, right now, you know, everybody wants to get back in the day. Everybody want to go to Texas, go out west. Those turkeys are easier, mm-hmm. and they still are. You know, as far as you know, numbers and less hunters and all that stuff. the The best place that we go to, I go to right now, is in Florida, and and it's it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. But it's uh, D Dot Timber Company is managed by one of the original turkey thugs. And, uh, man, it's, it's a special place. And I picked their brain to death. And what they did better than anybody was trapping mm-hmm. nest predators. Uh, now, he's got some clover. He's got all this kind of stuff. But when they got after the, the nest predators, because they're, they're pretty close to downtown Jacksonville, there's a, there's a lot of encroachment and stuff like that. But you got to stop and think, you know, all the big critters, have conservation groups, and they got people and lots of eyes on them making sure everything's just right. You know, if the population gets down, we do this. If it gets too many, we do that. Not so much on, you know, coons and skunks and possums and all that stuff. And when they went to work on them down there, they were relentless. They didn't just do it a couple of times a year. They they were year-round for a decade or more. And that place to this day is unbelievable. And that's really, to me, the only thing he does different. The, there's a couple more things I see that people do a lot of, 
you know, that her, her turkey hunter's number one, or maybe quail or something. Deer's not their number one thing. Clover is always in the mix somewhere, somehow. There's Gotta a, have it. There's, I waded through clover this morning on that hunt I went on this morning. It was just the most beautiful stuff you've ever seen. And the other thing is their uh, low-impact skills are through the roof. I'd say those are the three things. And by low impact, I mean they don't take their, you know, motorized ATVs and Jeeps and run around and all that kind of stuff. They're just careful about spooking the turkeys. Those are three things that I see that are always taking place at a really, really good spot. Mm -hmm. And that's that's mostly in the southeast. And I'm no biologist by any stretch of the imagination. I barely made it out of high school, (laughs) but I'm pretty observant. So I'd say those three things right there are mm. the key. Mm. And you know that's uh, like that that noise pollution. Yeah, that's 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 kind of hard to do sometimes. Toxie Toxie Hayes invented he's that. The term. Yeah. The he's management. the king. He's yeah. the king at that. All ca- all forms of camo, including noise camo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it, it's a it, you know it, it takes a. It takes a dictator kind of to make a place a good place. Any good place you go to, somebody's in charge. Yep. And you've got rules. Mm -hmm. And they want you to enjoy it and have fun and all that. Just play by the rules. And, you know, wildlife conservation is no different than anything else. You want it to go right, you got to have some rules. But, man, they, you know, people who spend that time planting those, those, you know, clover, whatever it is, and and really doing a lot of trapping, which can be kind of hard work. To me, it's addictive. I love it, but you know, you got to have that commitment, and that's yes. uh, that's what it is. Sure, there's sure. a there's a mentality that you see with the successful places. Now, look, you can get lucky in some places, just hatch them and hatch them and hatch them. But it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, what's the kids used to always ask, me, "What's the best state, Daddy?" I was like, "Really, they're in the best state." Well, in Texas, unbelievable. What Kansas? I heard that's, you know, any particular place where you've hatched. A lot of turkeys is going to be unbelievable. Doesn't matter how scrubby it is, or how, if it's got a big house and a lodge and it's famous, or it's just a, you know, a timber company land that's been cut hard. Doesn't matter. If you hatch a lot of turkeys, you're going to have fabulous hunting, mm-hmm. and you can actually overcome being a little bit of an idiot in how you hunt them. If you don't hatch them, you can do all these things, and it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, I use a worse word sometimes for it, but uh, you know, it's that simple. So the, what I was getting at also is the people that have the mindset of, and I, that's what I think the gamekeeper mentality is. It's kind of that life of abundance, and their goal is to produce and not consume. They're not worried about kill, kill, kill. I mean, I killed. I get my limit. You know, they're and I'm you know people like that. I don't want to try to put anybody else down about that. I'm just trying to help them see if it's more fun too. Is I'm worried about whatever place I have, whether I lease it or I own it. Um, I'm worried about having as many as I can have, and then we're going to hunt around that. You know, it's almost about you're still it's simple. You're about the resource and having that abundance of them, and then and that's what D Dot does. I mean, they hunt based on that. Mm. But what they're fortunate to do, they can just keep on and on. They just grind it out. They have so many good hatches again and again and again. You know, not so much here. We, you know, we have all kind of factors besides even nest predators. I mean, we can have stuff going on and get a big flood and wipe them out. So there's right. other things that, that, you know, dictate that too. Sure. So Dudley, I know you had a question, didn't you? Um, I've got several and I'm trying to decide which one would match up with what we've already been talking about. One of them may be a little somber. Um, 
but uh, I may shoot with that one. And uh, so we, we've, we've been having some discussions on our podcast recently about turkeys and uh, a little, some of it's a little somber or negative. Um, where do you see the status of, uh, uh, that may be population, maybe hunters. Where do you see the status of the wild turkey in 20 years? Uh, 20 years is a long time. It yeah. is, 15 <laughs> or 20 years. What do you What do you think it'll be like? Man, you you got to think that the people in charge, especially if you can pass that along to young people, are going to take care of it. Uh, yeah, I think the critical time, not only in turkey hunting, and a lot of other things going on right now is right now. I see negative comments flying all over the place about the new logo at the NWTF. To me, that's just like, really? Are you kidding me? Like, right now is the time to not throw in the towel. Right now is the time to go wash all the towels and stack them up, get your team together, and let's see what we need to do. Instead of complaining about turkeys are down, turkeys are down, numbers are down, okay, well, let's see. Let's let's see if we can raise some more money and do some more research. Without science – you're not going to get an answer. Are you going to get, you know, all these theories from people who don't know what they're talking about? So I, I see I, I see it doing good. I really do because I, I was lucky enough. My dad was a sports writer. He's a lifelong military guy. And when he finally retired, he went to work for the Natchez Democrat as a sports editor. And he had a column on Sundays called Rolling Around Outdoors. And I eventually took that column over. But I was with him when they trapped wild turkeys in the home of Chitter National Forest, Sandy Creek Wildlife Refuge, I was a little kid. And he had a camera that was this big, looked like an accordion on the front with a big bulb. You know, when you pop that bulb out, it shoots. Yeah. And he took a picture when that cannon net went off. And that was one of the only few places there was turkeys. And this was, I don't know, 55 years ago or something like that. And what took place after that, when they started trapping and relocating turkeys, was nothing short of miraculous. I would dare to say, and again, I'm no biologist, this is the greatest restoration story in history is what the wild turkey came back. Bubba Bruce and I, who's one of my best dear friends ever, we used to hunt the home Chill National Forest. And let me tell you something, it was, it was slim. And as they started doing this, turkey started coming back. Now, they... Back then, and Tom Kelly will back me up on this, they weren't as hard to kill sometimes as they are to me right now. <laughs> and Tom Kelly explained that perfectly. He said, yeah, you may not hear but one or two gobblers in a season. And he was right. But that gobbler may not hear but one or two hens. <laughs> so your odds went way up. <laughs> you could hear so I, I've been able from 30,000 feet to see what happened back when there weren't many turkeys 40 or 50 years ago because that made me interested in it. To right now, and of course we, you know, the grass been way up when we started going to Texas. Well, here's the deal: you got way more hunters now. Who knows what's going on? There could be studies going on right now to say, you know, this chemical or this herbicide or whatever it is. We got to figure that out together to make it better. But here's something that that you cannot deny. I had on my podcast a guy named Dieter Melhorn, who's a catfishing guy. Mm-hmm. And he is a, one of the nicest people you ever made, but he's really good at catching catfish. And that's what we were talking about. And at some point, he was telling me all these cool things. And I said, hey, Dieter, you're giving away all your secrets because he fishes in them catfish tournaments. He said, here's the way I look at it. He said, if you teach somebody and they get really good at it and they're very successful, 
it's going to become what they love, and people covet what they love, and they mm-hmm. will conserve it. So my advice is, where's it, you know, you say, where's it going to be in 20 years? I don't know. But if you're really concerned about that, do whatever you got to do. If that means helping the NWTF raise some money and join it and get through this, we can't have a banquet anymore stuff, well, just do what you can to get through it. But I personally am pretty enthused about the next wave of people coming on. The reason I say that is, and this this will sound funny, but I got a lot of followers like on Instagram, and I was looking at that, and Lauren, she has to decipher that for me. She's my IT guru, and she pulled it up, and out of the however many thousands I got, 80% of them are males between 18 and 26 years old, which tells me they're interested in hunting. They certainly ain't following me for me. They're interested in it. So personally, I got a lot of faith in it. I think it's going to be fine. Good to hear. I've been, I've been like the kid that raised yeah, hand you and talk, yeah. listening to him the whole time and getting ready to save my little sermon, and he just nailed it. Because, you know, it's the guess the gamekeeper thing. Take responsibility. If you love it, take, take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. Don't point the finger to conservation is not NWTF, government, Mossio, you know, rich people, big donors for money, programs by the National Wildlife Federation, it's every single individual that loves this bird taking responsibility for it where they get to go. Every single person. And that's what we're trying to do here is, mm-hmm. is empower, educate, and, you know, arm them with the tools to go do that and take responsibility. That's how we win this. That's how we have a better and better future is is doing that when everybody cares. Sure. And being an example. I, you know, and I think we're, we're like, it's getting – there is a lot of concern right now. And so I just thought we can turn that concern into a better attitude because at one time it was just like bam, 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 bam. Didn't matter what we did, more turkeys because they were expanding populations and nothing was in the way. And, you know, whenever you drop them in a new area, those predators don't know about it. So they take off and all that happened, I guess, from the 80s on because yeah. yep. really took off in the 90s and, and more. And then I guess all this peaked maybe in the mid 2000s or so. And then. We're declining, and it's tougher, and sure. a lot of frustrations, and you know those tough times. We can turn into better times. Well, you know, we've done a couple of podcasts about with Dr. Chamberlain about what we're talking about now this about tough times. Yeah. And what's encouraging is we've get we've had a lot of comments to the podcast, and and I have yet to see one where somebody wasn't willing to, if they needed to, not shoot a turkey this year or reduce, not shoot the limit, reduce so that there would be birds in the future, everybody's willing to do that. So, I hope so. So I yeah. feel good as well that, that people have the right attitudes about it. Yep. There's so many unknowns out there right now about it, but like you said, everybody seems to be willing to help yes. do, do their part. And I, I like All those people I that like, like that. to shoot turkeys, there's one thing I promise you for every single person hunting. There's one thing worse than not killing one. It's not even having one to hunt. Right. To yeah. go out. No question. Because when you don't even have one to hunt and you don't get to go listen to that gobble, which we love, that's really bad. That is. That is. So, Cuz, let me ask you this. So, been filming a long time. You've, there's no telling how many hunts you've sat down to. Is there one state when you see it on the agenda, like I'm going to Texas, is there one state where you just go, heck yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that? Yeah, I got asked that question this morning. I was with a group of three other guys, and it, got, and it turns into 20 questions, especially when the hunting slows down. <laughs> and, and, you know, right now to me, 
it used to be Texas, and I and this is going to make Toxie fall out of his chair. I hadn't been to Texas in the springtime in five years. Mm. Five years I hadn't been out there. It used to be unbelievable. We had some leases out there that were crazy. Let me tell you why they were so good. The middle of the state, I don't remember how many counties it was, 15 or 16. That was the big – that's where they raised sheep. And the only the only people better than DDOT – at taking care of predators is sheep ranchers. Hmm. And that's why that hill country did so good. They, There wasn't anything, there was no such thing out there as a coyote hmm. for a long time. They, Those guys, I met a guy out there one time, he was, I was asked, he had this hand crank siren. He said, that's what they used to, They, if they saw a coyote, they'd go back and crank that siren till their neighbors could hear it and they'd meet up. And guess what? They coyote went after him. They went after him. <laughs> Everybody get over here. Old school. Or even in these days, when we were out there, they called the guy with the helicopter. I mean, they wouldn't allow it. And then they were wearing out all the nest predators because they were eating the, the sheep feed at the feeder. So it was just a, a sanctuary. And, I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. It there was so many turkeys. It was just ridiculous. But if, it was a lot of fun. If I have to tell yeah. somebody where to go right now, kind of a lifetime, Bob, I'm going to send them to Nebraska. For a couple of reasons. Number one, Nebraska is still so underpopulated with people and, and probably, you know, not many, if any, turkey thugs out there. <laughs> and and there's lots of counties where Miriam's and Rio's cross, so you kind of never know what you're going to get. And the terrain is so it kind of keeps them down in those cottonwood bottoms and stuff. You can literally go down to the whatever river you're on. And, you know, have a hunt there, get up, go down the river a mile, go down and hold another flock. So um, if if I see Nebraska on the docket, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. Now, they, they hunt them a little different. You know, there's a lot of visual hunting out there because uh, our our buddy Jim Kuhn, who runs the roost, unless this is a true story, unless I'm out there, they get up like 8, 8.30. And I'm like, dude, if I'm out there, we're going to a roost, so you better <laughs> yeah. find me some. We're getting up at daylight. Yeah. But they go out there, and they just spot them, and they move around, get on them, and they call them, and, they, and he's, his success rate's through the roof. But just seeing that many turkeys and having that much fun, and they act right. Right. You know, they'll come to you, and that, that's where I – to me right now, that's the go-to state. And I hadn't been everywhere, but that's what I'm telling people. That talks is smiling over there. It's like just him. what he said. It reminds me of um, – the little sayings from the Tom Kelly, and he would say, you know, it made me smile thinking when he said that, the real fun of his having him. I think he said it, he came to a call, mm-hmm. that simple phrase. And that's just, I mean, without that, it would be a sport, but it wouldn't be near the sport. Mm-hmm. When you can connect with one and he comes to the call, it is just magic. Mm-hmm. And he's, sure he's right. You want to go, it's like you said, you want to go somewhere where that happens more than the place where there's a – Super abundance, and they might not do that. Right. So, it's, yeah, it's a special place. You got to have something loud, though. And I know I'm not plugging okay. the tube call. Of course the, he is. The, yeah. Here the, you go. The <laughs> wind <laughs> is relentless. It had to come up. I was thinking we almost got by without no, it coming I asked, up. I already asked if you brought it. <laughs> yeah. the, the wind is relentless out there. And those guys, they will absolutely – one of their strategic moves is to get the wind where it's blowing from them to the turkeys, mm-hmm. so the turkeys can actually hear them. Oh, that's part uh, of that's part of their deal. It mm-hmm. ain't like oh, I got to get under this bank, sneak around. Which way's the wind blowing? We got to get on that side so they can hear us. Like that's, deer, deer except the opposite thing. Yeah. The deer except the opposite. That's that's right. It's a big deal, but huh. man, they're loaded. Yeah, lots of good habitat out there. 
Wow. Might have to go to Nebraska, Bobby. Yeah, yeah let's make a road trip. All right. Yeah, the entomology uh, professor here at State, Dr. Riggins, is from Nebraska, and he's told me a bunch of stories about that. And, you know, he grew up there, so. And you hadn't talked him into a hunt yet? <laughs> <laughs> real. Not yet. Sound, sounds like we got a place but, to go, uh, Bobby. <laughs> I've, I've enjoyed hearing his stories about, you know, uh, it is wide open, but there's a lot of little terrain features you can hide in and move around from spot to spot. and. Um, yeah, it, we've been going out there for a long time, and it is a very special place, and there's a lot of public ground. That That's a big deal right now. It's getting mm-hmm. to the point now where if you killed your turkey and it wasn't on public land, you'll probably get a couple of comments about it, <laughs> which that's fine. Now, I went, to, I went to Nebraska on a public land hunt two years ago, but it was for deer, and I kicked rocks all the way back home. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen so many hunters. I, I, I'm telling you, I had a place. I did some research. I had this down, and I got to that place, and it was – I saw probably 200 people in four days, and not one of them was from Nebraska. Mm. They were all from Colorado. Mm. So, mm, wow. But there is good public hunting out there, and you know, it's just terrains. Perfect. All the more reason to work on having great hatches because the, the people that don't get to – participate and enjoy it are the ones that are only get to go there and when we don't get hatches and they over harvest or whatever happens you know the private landowner person can always throttle back and protect and do differently but you know and i know our government agencies try to but for me that's the biggest reason you want to see a great hatch so everybody can enjoy because without that it gets so limited we lose people they're not going to be interested mm-hmm. and then it starts a negative spiral so Everything, you know, it's like the great T-shirt that I want to put out there. Happiness is a great hatch. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's good. a good saying, yeah. yeah. Well, so, Cuz, you've been uh, you've been farming for wildlife for a number of years now since you got your place up, up here north of town. And I've kind of listened to you through the years. You've learned. You, you've had uh, a lot of experiences, some good and some bad. And I know you, you, you're you pointing at Toxie. I know you lean on him for advice for a lot of things. But I, <laughs> I'd love for you to give us a little breakdown of, of what you do in the spring and early summer for your deer herd and uh, in terms of what you're planting in your food plots and what you've learned works and doesn't work. Well, my taste is going to be real different on that because <clears throat> my spring is mass confusion. You know, I mean, except for last year, I'm just never home. So I'm fixing, you know, there's no way I can get started on anything to have a spring type food plot. And y'all came out there. We did a, one of the first gamekeeper shows we did was out there. And I was, and I was talking to you about growing corn. And I was, I, I learned that I, I just didn't think I could do it. I was just figuring food plots out and all this kind of stuff. I used to go to all these places and film and walk through food plots and didn't think nothing about it. Well, let me tell you something. You start breaking dirt and fighting weeds, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden that's a big deal, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I sat down, and, I, of course, I talked to Toxie. He's the number one go-to, and, and it's just because he's really good at that. And he's got some people that help him down there, Greg Briggs and Tom and all them, but – I told Toxie, I'm going to grow some corn. He gave me some really good advice. And I, in my mind, the whole time, I was like, I can't, this ain't going to be successful. I don't have enough time. Well, the first year I grew corn, I had a, a used, and you go look for one of these on eBay now, a 7100 four-row John Deere planter. <laughs> if you find one, you better stop at the bank on the way mm-hmm. to buy that baby because they're crazy. But I found one. And I did all the stuff that Toxie said and all that, and I planted the corn and 
and it came up. And I, I would, I would literally walk out there and look at that corn and just fold my arms and I could not believe I did that. Cause my idea of deer hunting was always the good deer hunt. We were always somewhere filming, whether it was Kansas or wherever it was, somewhere in the Midwest cornfields were there and you were hunting these cornfields and there's giant deer. I said, I got to have some. And I went out there and, and I would just pick those corn cobs and look at them and go that. Well, that kind of got to be my go-to. And so I, if I got to study on one thing and make time for one thing is to get those cornfields ready. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of work because there's a lot of stuff left over. Like I grew like 10 acres of corn last year. And of course the, the deer and the, all, all the animals just annihilate that. And then you got all these big stalks. So I had to, I got to wait and I just got to pick a day because my place is really wet. I got to pick a day to mow them things down before it gets too late. So that means when it's cold out there and it was, it was frozen solid and I had to go hook to that bush hog. And I spent the whole day because it was frozen cutting those corn cobs, you know, getting it mowed down to nothing and getting it turned, let's die back in the ground. Now, I'm going to look at Dudley now, and Toxie would know this too, but I think turning it back in the ground helps a lot, getting all that stuff back in there and letting it, and I don't know if that's long enough from December to May to, to help, but I think it does. But each year it's gotten a little easier. The first year is the weed control, and I tell everybody, you may not, you may be, you know, just die, dead set against Roundup. If I hadn't have planted Roundup ready corn, I wouldn't have had corn. I just didn't have time to deal with the weeds. And I don't have a cultivator to go in between the rows. You know, in order to figure that stuff out, you got to have a degree in math of how far to set this versus mm -hmm. your wheels. And I can't do that. So I set mine up to where I can ride my tractor through there and I put Roundup in there. I tell you what the, the coolest thing I do is, and this has worked for me, May not work for everybody else, but I plant my food plots, you know, whenever, late August, early September, just like everybody sitting in this room does. And I work on them really hard. I've taken a soil sample, believe it or not. And when I get through and it looks like, and I've rolled it over with the cultipack and everything, I go get the clover. Clover plus whatever it is, and that's what goes over the top right for rain. And I go real heavy with that. And I don't mess with it. You know, like right now, my food plots look great. They're like this high, and them clover shoots are sticking up, and I ain't touching it. And the reason I ain't touching it is because all these biologists I've been talking to and some of the better gamekeepers, they don't mow their food plots till whenever it is. I think it's either Labor Day or Memorial Day or something like that because they say the poults can go through there, you know, and bug and eat all that stuff. And, buddy, it's worked for me like unbelievable because – You've been to my place, and I planted those pines. I had great cover. Well, though those pines are seventeen years old now. Wow! I'm not. Flies. I'm not exactly overrun with cover, so I, I do all that. And those food plots and those lanes going to the food plots—that's where we stay. We don't go off in anywhere where a deer might come from, unless somebody shoots a deer. And we got to go in there. I, the sanctuaries and the clover to me are the number one deal. My little place that works good. And uh, the clover starting to – sometimes the clover comes back, but I oversee – that's the last thing I do, uh, clover and corn. And I actually plant my corn with a drill, and people will tell you you can't do that. I don't have the four-row planter anymore. I sold it. Boy, that was a mistake. But I got a drill, and uh, the drill, I just plug up everything but the two outside and the middle holes, so it's dropping about 24 inches apart. But the ground's got to be real solid, 
and smooth so you can see where you've been. There ain't no row markers on that thing. And if it gets dusty, then you can have an issue. But planting that corn with a drill, and then this year I overseeded with some clover in between it too. But that, that putting that clover down is the last thing on my food plot. I feel like I'm good for the spring, so I don't really have to panic right now because normally I don't have the time to do that anyway. It's been fun to watch you and see your reaction to having good food plots and, and how that makes you feel. I mean, you I can tell by your post or if I run into you at the coffee pot and you say something, you take a lot of pride in having to be able to grow, to grow some groceries for your wildlife. Look, knew nothing about it. And here's the deal with food plots. You don't, and it's worse if it's me, because Toxy just kind of knew it. His dad was into that. My dad was a fisherman, period. He had me fished out by the time I was 14 or 15. <laughs> I was done. And uh, so I, I had zero knowledge. <clears throat> and you just don't see, it's like, all right, I'm going to go ask somebody at the co-op. And you could ask somebody a question, and they'd look at you sometimes at a, in that setting like they couldn't believe you didn't know that. It was kind of intimidating. And it's like, you know what, I'll just call Toxie, I'll call you, I'll call Greg, whoever it is. And the, and the more I did that, and it, trial and error, the better it made me feel. And I can, I've told Toxie this. When I was growing up, it was all I hunted was the home to the National Forest. That was it. So I was way grown and married. And that's the only place I had and if my dad wanted to go fishing, if we wanted to go, I always use this example. Colonel Stowers had a big, beautiful lake out by the airport. Best bass fishing around from the bank because we didn't have a boat. But we'd always have to call. If I wanted to go somewhere else, you had to call, call, make sure. And the first time I walked on a piece of land I bought, that was the only thought I had. I almost couldn't hunt because I was thinking, <laughs> I don't have to call anybody. And I, I still feel like that today. It just blows my mind. They ain't got to call somebody and get permission. It's not a gigantic piece of land, but you know when I get it's ready a cool to go out, yeah, I, I don't have to ask anybody. What's that? What's that word for what he has? Gratitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say pride. Gratitude. Yeah. I mean, I'm, amen. When you would just like you. gone with the wind, but you reach down and you grab that fistful of dirt. That's, that's right. why that podcast says that name. It's just that that's dream right. that. It's, it's, and it's, it's not something you take for granted when you come up. Like we did, and we didn't necessarily have a place. When you yeah. finally get it, man, there's just you're overwhelmed with gratitude. I grew up in a neighborhood, you know, and I just that wasn't on my radar. Hunting was. I fell in love with that early on, but now to see, like my wife's from Illinois, and man, hunting wasn't any on their radar. But now her, both my daughters, all my grandkids, they had that mindset. Like I'll get a text out of the blue, uh, man. I saw a doe over by the such and such on the way to the house today. It's the fact that they're even <clears throat> thinking like that, they, they don't even know how much that overwhelms yeah. them. Like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know? And they, they wouldn't be thinking like that if they weren't in this environment right here. It's like, it's pretty cool. I got a really bad one today, and I probably shouldn't even say this, but I was sitting there with those three other guys, and it was a bad morning. We weren't hearing a lot, and you know, because it rained a lot last night. You know, my phone, I can't. I looked at it and I got a text from my wife who was standing on the back porch. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you leave for? (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly what the text said. You should have stayed home. Should have stayed. I was thinking about what I was going to say next, and it just I went blank when I heard that. That was so cool. It's uh, and I don't have many turkeys. They kind of come and go and come and go. But the fact that 
they're there and the, the deer hunting's great. And I got quail. You can hear quail in my place. You can get some whistle back and just go down fence post. I mean, you ain't got to make a big effort with that. You know, you just why you got your disc hooked up. Go over and turn that ground over and throw some of that stuff, mm-hmm. and it, the quail will find it. And man, if you you talking about exciting, get a cover of your quail. I'm not a quail hunter or a wing shooter, but to hear them. Oh yeah, that's just exciting. Know, just knowing you've got them and that mm-hmm. you know your work helped attribute to that is is a big that's deal. what's so cool. No question. Yeah. yeah. He, no, he also spoke to if you. I'm just sometimes I want to blurt out the things I you know that people miss. I just I have this fear we've been through the fires of hell on a lot of stuff, and you know what did we miss? And so I'm just like if I can pass that along, but more than any more you know you bought it for a place to hunt, and so or you know people buy it for investment. There's a multitude of reasons why real estate, and but he just hit on the top one to me in life. It's like that's the glue for his oh, yeah. family of all the stuff going on everywhere. Their house, any material possession thing, that's the number one. That having that place is the glue for the family. And it's, I promise you, it's the way for the Hayes family. Mm. Oh, no, yeah. In a couple of ways. <laughs> no, no and doubt. I mean, you know, that's the reason it does. And that's, that's why I, tell you, I get on my stump and preach. It does not matter if it's one acre, 100, one thing. It does not matter. Yeah. Just having anywhere that's that glue for you, your friends, your family is the greatest way to get through life. Wow. Well, look, we've been talking about about that for a long time, but mm-hmm. I think these guys have said it better than anybody's ever said it on any previous discussion we've ever had. No question. And uh, we always kind of, as we start kind of winding this thing down, we always look at each other and say, what did we learn today that would make us a better gamekeeper? And, boy, there's there's been a lot in here, not necessarily what to do, but how to live your life. And, uh, and not only to be a gamekeeper, just be a better person. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody's getting quiet on me now. No, I think we're all here. I was going to say, when when the TV was blowing up, we had five shows at one time. Yeah. Y'all remember this. Three Mm -hmm. of them were 52 weeks a year. You can't Mm -hmm. imagine what that workload was like. It was unbelievable. We had a big, big team of people working on it. We had young kids coming through here. Maybe they're at Mississippi State at the – broadcast school, something like that. And I, my first piece of advice to them when I'd send them out on the road, because to me, the brand meant everything. Here's You got one goal. Wherever you go, make sure you're invited back. And the way that happens is act like your mama's standing behind you. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all you got to do is just act right. You know, just act like your mama's standing behind you and treat everybody with respect, and it'll be easy. So, And that's not a, uh, that's not a marketing ploy. You know, it's just the way it is. And I got to tell you this quick story one time. I had, I'm not going to tell you the PR story because I've told it nine zillion times. It's a great story, though. (laughs) Ten zillion, actually. I keep counting. But some of the first riders we had here in West Point, we were hunting out at the Cotton Mill and they were staying at Walker's Lake. It wasn't, it was a big deal to us. And anyway, and Toxie and Bill were up here, they had actual real jobs, and I was taking these guys hunting and doing this and doing that. Well, they wanted to go to West Point and see Toxie. And Toxie had just got a new desk. His old desk was a used to be a window air conditioner with a piece of plywood on it. Am I lying? That's 1,000% true. Yes, for a while. All right. You embellish it a little bit, but it is true. That is true. <laughs> so anyway, I took the writers in to have a little visit with Toxie, and he was in his office and all that. One of them asked him what his – uh, I forgot how he worded that. What is what's your uh, 
Philosophy? Yes, whatever his philosophy and business was or whatever it was. Yeah, yep. And uh, he, he, he opened his desk drawer and screwed around in there for a minute, and he pulls out a piece of paper with a pencil handwriting. Yellow piece of notebook paper. And he handed it to me. He said, this is, this is our formula. And he handed it to him, and it said, keep the team together. Now, you know, that's not something he did, you know, as a ploy or something he did he thought would be cool for the writers. He didn't know he was coming, but that kind of tells you a lot, you know, what what you need to do to keep that team of people together that are excited about things and, you know, felt the sparks fly when they looked at the the pattern and all that. And that's Mm -hmm. just kind of how we roll. So, like I said, the two good things about both of these podcasts that I've heard is uh, I did a (laughs) – I've done a lot of these. Y'all have no idea, but I was speaking at a church about a month and a half ago and uh, at a wild game supper, and this mo- this lady comes up after the thing, and she's like, man, I love your podcast, and I appreciate it. And I said, I- thank you. She had four little boys with them. They're like 12, 10, 8, and 6, stair steps. And she said, I put your podcast on their phones because it's one of the only ones they can listen to that I trust. And I, and I walked outside, and I went, wow. That's pretty cool, you know, yeah. that, that, that she has enough trust in that and logo right. up there to think, well, I'm going to let my little boys listen to that because they're learning some hunting stuff and there's not going to be any bad language and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of stuff I stick my chest out about, you know, as far as what's going on now. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. It really is. I think it is. So, so Lanny, we've had a question for – have you got one? Uh, no, I've just been enjoying listening. Yeah, actually. it has been fun. And, you know – I was going to actually ask Cuz about – because I knew he, growing up in a, in a neighborhood, and he, I remember when he lived in a neighborhood here in West Point and just wanted him to talk about the difference it is, you know, living on his own place. But he already nailed that. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, because I, I think about you telling that story, and I've heard you many times talk about your father's love of fishing, and I, my father was the same way. But how cool would it be? Uh, when you, I, I, you think about your dad fishing, and today we've got these really cool fishing patterns that have become so popular. I, I, it would um, just wouldn't your dad just love that? He, he'd be all up in it. You know, my he was the. I tell people all the time, and I'm of course I Taxi says I embellish things from time to time, but I, if I do that, it's rare. But anyway, only I'll, when he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I say he's the best fisherman I've ever known that didn't own a boat. And he was. All we had back then were them old Mitchell 300 flip yeah. bells. And I've seen him hundreds, if not thousands of times, take those things apart in the living room on a newspaper, wiping them down, greasing those screws, putting them back together. And, you know, when you'd reel them in, they'd go, agony, agony, agony. Mm-hmm. That's what they yeah. sounded like. Yeah. But any new thing that came out, he was on it. And the fact that, boy, if I could show him them fishing patterns right now and all the baits and how they named them. The only time I could get him to go hunting, we would go. He loved a squirrel hunt because we and we did this. We would kill the squirrels, cut the tails off, and you sold them to the Meps company. Mm-hmm. Make rooster tails, twenty five dollars, yeah. twenty five cents a piece, and that's the only hunting he liked to do. But yeah, if he could see all the stuffs going on with mossy oak fishing, he he passed away sadly before he could see all this. But he he'd be awful proud. No, he would. So. You obviously like the uh, bottom land. The first time you saw it, it changed your life. You know, in, in the last few months, uh, I mean, we look at the walls. We look at all the clothes. We, we all love bottom. We bleed bottom land. Mm-hmm. But this new pattern that's coming out, this DNA, country DNA, am mm-hmm. I pronouncing that right? That's right. It's unbelievable. Uh, we shared a little bit about it a, a 
couple of podcasts back. Because if you got a chance to look at it and see how the colors and the bottom line background in it, it's just. Look, I used to be the third person to look at that. It would mm-hmm. be him, then Bill, then me. And I've kind of gotten out of that loop because we're just separated so far. But yes, I've got a chance to look at it. And as soon as, as soon as they make an outfit to fit me, I'll have it on. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. But the bottom line thing to me is, it's all. It, it, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, like I say, I got three grandsons, and I'm fixing to take them on another turkey hunt. And that's all they're doing is they're, they're on their phone. Uh, can I? Do they have that in Bottomland? It's got to be Bottomland. They wear it to school. It's got to be Bottomland. They want to. They want to fly the colors, but it's got to be Bottomland. I mean, you could buy them something brand new and break up or something. But it's got to be Bottomland. It. It is the wildest thing going on out there right now, and it, it, it's just because of that brand. Well, we, we certainly we're, love it. And I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I love it. I really, really love it. Yeah. <laughs> just because of what all it means. I won't even. One thing I'm not going right. to do on a podcast is say all the reason why that happened. It's because it wasn't necessarily by master design necessarily. But it, it is what it is, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a tidal wave right mm-hmm. now. It's but it's really cool. Because yeah. it is clearly us, and yeah. it is the origins of the brand. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's what makes me like this new DNA so much, yep. is you can yep. actually see it. Yeah, you see it. Same thing with Habitat. Habitat's Yeah, that's right, really, man. That's really right. Predominant. Yeah. So, I, the, you know, the guys downtown, are, and because for years, I know you had a lot of influence on there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Toxie does, but they're, they're doing a fantastic they job. They are. It's, dead. It's, a, it's a big effort. It is not Toxie. And that's one thing I want to get, I get tired <laughs> yeah. of hearing. The writers, I am not a camo inventor. You know, he invented mossy oak. No, uh, that's not really how that is. I mean, did I come up with the patterns and all that stuff? Yeah, but that's not the right word for it, honestly. Uh, we have a whole team, and honest, the best stuff we ever did is because, you know, everybody got their eyes and their licks in on it and their opinions voiced, and you know, yeah, yeah. it used to be cousin. Of course, he would always he he would like give it to me, and I can sell it, and I give me an outfit, and I'll wear it. You know, he. And what he did more important than saying, make it darker, make it lighter, whatever, is he believed in it. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he could see what it would do, and he believed in it. Sure, sure. You know, in today's world, if you go, if you look at YouTube a lot, if you watch TV a lot, you see some of these crazy patterns out there. And I look at them and go, you got to be kidding me. Some of them are light blue and gray, and I ain't going to talk about names or any of that. But if you're if you're into it, if you're a waterfowl guy, a predator guy, a turkey guy, if you're into it, you're wearing something that's effective. It ain't about it looks good on this model or that model. Right. It's got to be working. And if you've been humbled enough time by a big deer or turkeys or ducks flaring and all that, it doesn't take you long to end back up in that bottomland <laughs> boat if you ask me. So. That's right. Oh, you're right. So look, we uh, with our when we have guests, we always like for them to have a good time. I can't tell if you're having a good time just yet. I've seen you smile a time or two, but oh, I love it. But, I, I look. I've told you from the get go. I'm just honored to be asked. I've been watching my phone so much. I have, <laughs> I have sores on my eyes. Yeah, well, so I haven't. I've been watching mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I called Taxi to be on my podcast, and I was like, "If you run him down, you're 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 you're, good, good. you're a good detective." I hate because it's, that my problem. There's always something unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. Well, he's every a, day he's a vapor. Yep. We we just rarely we, he's a. Well, you got to learn to ask and be persistent. You know, oh, Bobby will that's ask. Right. That's right. <laughs> so what we've done with previous guests is we've 
we we think about what's kind of dead center of their bullseye, what's in their wheelhouse. And we generate a couple of trivia questions. Dudley's really good at this. And we thought about you and we said, what's the dead center? And the only thing we came up with was Whataburger. So I was we, fixing to say, this is going to be food related. <laughs> so Dudley, uh, and we don't know what these are. So we'd like to see, see how you do with these trivia questions. All right. And he, by the way, he's we talked about it the other day. He's, he loves a Whataburger, but... He's sleek and slim. He has I mean, how much? Honestly, how much from your peak? You've lost seventy pounds, maybe close to sixty. Yeah. Something. Oh, that's and awesome. I mean, one day, Doctor Friend said, "Lose it. You want to spend the most time with your family you can." And he, buddy, he dropped it, and yeah. he has kept it down. And he is in as good a shape as he's been in since he coached softball. I, I still have trouble not turning that wheel back away from the water. <laughs> I'm glad we ain't got one up here, buddy. I'll tell you that. I love them too. Here, here's the quick, quick deal. The Whataburger, we used to have a hamburger joint in Natchez when I was growing up called the Mammoth Drive-In. And at one point, you could buy five hamburgers for a dollar. Come on. And it tastes exactly like a Whataburger. It's the same meat, the same recipe. You know, they use salad dressing, not mayo. They butter that bun and they mm-hmm. put it in that wax paper and it gets greasy. <laughs> so that's that's the that's why I like the Whataburger. Yeah. It tastes like the mama's drive-in to me. Mm. Yeah. All right, Dudley. Well, I'm a I'm a burger lover myself. My favorite is uh berries in Benton, Mississippi, right outside of Yazoo. And it's that wax paper, you know, mm-hmm. messy burger. All it's right. Smash so, burger. Smash. What a burger. What what a burger item? can be found in grocery stores. Ketchup. There's a ketchup shortage right now, wow. so you need to go get your ketchup. There was definition wow. of split second. Yeah. <laughs> second. Right. Hey, I got to tell right. you, it's Come the on, best ketchup. Okay, so it's great ketchup. this one I'm sure you'll get, but it may take a minute. All right, so name five of the ten states where you can find a Whataburger. Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, you got it. I was about three quarters of a speech. All right, so this is multiple choice. You need addresses? <laughs> <laughs> He's on a Whataburger World Tour. And he, Bobby only let me ask three questions. I've got five. All right. Um, this is multiple choice. Whataburger was the first to use whole grain buns. A secret sauce or quarter pound patties. Quarter pound patties. If you want to get deep, I can tell you who founded the Whataburger. The guy's a Marine. He was from down there. And, oh. oh, yeah, I can go as deep as you want to go. <laughs> what, what town in Texas? Corpus Christi. All right, well, it was. Anyway, I thought it was San Antonio. But no, I don't, sir. I don't no, sir. It was, in, <laughs> no. it was in Corpus Christi. <laughs> and Corpus you. Christi was also the first place to have a Waterburger inside the airport. Uh, no, my dad one time told me don't go to a gunfight with a water. <laughs> <laughs> so get out. Don't, right, well, don't, don't try to be a no one on a Waterburger. Do you want to try for the bonus? Yeah, I'll go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what is in the drink called the Hulk? At the Whataburger? At the Whataburger. Now, it's it's multiple choice. Sprite and Gatorade, Powerade and Vault, 
or Mountain Dew and Pepsi? I have no actually idea. I, that one I do not know. I'd have to say it was Vault and Powerade. All right. Well, you got 100%. You didn't get the bonus. Oh, okay. It, it was uh, Mountain Dew and Pepsi. Mountain Dew and Pepsi. It's yeah. called The Hulk. I yeah. order, look, I've been going to the Whataburger since, they, since I discovered them, and I order, I've never ordered but one thing there. I've never varied. I've never had people rave about their breakfast. Never had it. I order the same thing. A number two, mustard, mayonnaise, and pickles only. And that's it. I've never had one bite of anything else <laughs> from a Whataburger. I believe that. Yeah, I do too. He's not, but he's not, he's not the kind of guy that's really setting his ways about stuff. No. <laughs> that sound like it. I, I've only found one hamburger that was better than that to me. And again, it was in Texas. And y'all probably heard the story. Been there. It's it, was at, it was at the Herd Burger. You took my Jacksonville, son there and he still Texas. talks about it. Yeah. yeah. And Neil took me there and it's yeah. unbelievable. So, Mike, have you got a question now over there that we need to? Yep, you know, he's texting again. So, I do have one. Uh, my question would uh, David McElwain kind of inspired me with this question being a cameraman. Uh, in the early days, did you find that being a better hunter helped you be a better cameraman? Or being a better cameraman made you a better hunter. No, you got to be the. You got to have the hunting part down first. It didn't work. We, well, pretty most and everybody else went everywhere because when it first started, nobody knew anything about anything. Bobby was around when that was taking place, but if you didn't get the hunting part down, you didn't have a chance for the other. Will Primos took a sound, a professional sound guy in the woods to do that first cassette. I don't yeah. know if y'all have listened to it. It's yeah. just the audio recording of a turkey hunt. Mm. And he had to cover that guy up and all burlap and all that kind of stuff. You had to you had to take a hunter and turn him into a videographer, which was a monumental challenge for my part. Yes. I tell you, I knew zero about it, but I knew this. It's uh I figured out how to do a, a white balance, but I figured out real quick if it sounded okay, you got by. Especially when it comes to wildlife stuff, they want to hear the clucks and the gobbles and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I got some white balance horror stories when Cuz was training me. He, I got he, one. He, he would run out there and pull his he white balance on that on his underwear. Yeah, I got so. I got a Bobby Cuz story real quick. I know this we're probably like, running out of time, but back. you can cut something else out. So, and there's a <laughs> lot. There's a lot that, on another podcast. Let's talk about Bobby Cole. Actually, his early days, and then when he came on Mossy Oak, and the, oh. the, the events surrounding that, that's a great, I think, a great story to talk about. So let's do that sometime, Bobby. But the first thing is we brought Bobby on board because of TV and someone who could not just film and maybe produce, edit. He had all that experience, and very few did back mm-hmm. then. He could also host really well, too. And so it was just like, and we, I won't get into how we got there because it's really cool, but – the first trip, we got invited to go on this Canada caribou thing. And, of course, back then, <laughs> we got invited to go everywhere, and the adventures were, you know, abound. And we went, and we got on that bush plane, and he and Cousin I and the guy, and it was rough. And, I mean, by the time we got there, he was green. And we had a lot of gear and stuff, and he was just, yes, sir, yes, sir, let me get this, let me get that. And I said, you don't look so good. I, I, I'll be okay. And I said, you sure? And he kept on, and he, he got the ice chest and the big backpacks and the, the, all the stuff off the plane. And he, is there anything else? Is there anything else? I said, no, you've done great. Just take a rest for a minute. Are you sure? We've gotten everything. I said, yeah, we got it all. He looked at me and said, 
is it okay with you if I go puke now? And sure enough, he turned around and put his hands on his knees. So he did all that and held it off long enough to get the job done. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that was a fun trip. That that maybe that was the first television show that we filmed for Hunt the Country. I don't know, but it was the first time you went somewhere on a trip on the job. Mm-hmm. It was for sure. And boy, it, and and I remember the effort it took to actually kill a caribou. Yeah, it wasn't so easy back then. You know, and that bush plane. Well, it's caribou. That's a different subject. One day, it's like either you're in them or you're not. Yeah, I, I don't think you can even hunt up there anymore, Toxic. Wow. I don't think that caribou herd has a huntable population. Wow, anymore. that's sad. Yeah, that's really. Sad. Does. Jack Hume was the guy we yep, hunted with. We did. Yeah, I do remember that. Barely remember that, but I remember Bobby's smiling face. Well, I did puke. I got air sick. He, he did. He did. Yeah, I thought you were going to tell the sausage story. I didn't tell you the sausage story. <laughs> no, we got to keep with what Cut says yeah. about making it G-rated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Well, does anybody else have Lanny, you? I, I think we've got some breaking we have news. A, we have a correction. We have a correction. So my dyslexic self messed up on the bonus multiple choice question, and I marked the wrong right answer. You got the bonus right. <laughs> hey. I know they got I knew they had Powerade. It is Powerade involved. You know, I was just so let down that he missed a Whataburger question, and I didn't know how to recover from that. I feel so much better now. Yeah, completely recovered. That's amazing, cuz. I'm telling you, man, it just is what it is. (laughs) He's got a pep in his step now. He was so depressed. We should we should talk to them about being a sponsor yeah, or something, a podcast or something. They should they should, honestly they should give you a lifetime achievement award because I he is black yeah, he is he is a devout spokesman for Whataburger. Quick for quick story, it's gonna take but a second. Okay, I was down at D Dot taking people for Keith Kelly, and he had you know we'd gotten the the hunt together that they did for Seamark Ranch, the children's home. We got all that behind us. And he brought some of his buddies in, and I had to take two guys that played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And these guys were just gigantic. I mean, like six, seven, six. And I'm looking at them going, how am I going to hire these people, blah, blah, blah. And long story short, we hunted most all the day, and both of them killed a turkey, which was unbelievable. And, it, and I was like high five and all yeah. that. Before he left, one of the guys, I'm, I'll think of his name later, but he owned – Four Whataburgers in Jacksonville. He's a pro football player. He'd probably pull that off. He brought me a gift card worth $200 to the Whataburger. And I'm telling you, you'd have thought I'd won the Mega Millions. (laughs) I had won the Mega Millions lottery. Look, he was still kicking up dust when I put that card on the dash of my truck and went straight up the road to the Whataburger to make sure that worked. Well, well, Cuz, we've enjoyed having you here today. We sure have. Toxin, we appreciate you dropping in here. it was, it's a little windy today, you know. It's not hard to, it's hard to get about them in the middle of the day and windy like this. So. Yeah, so I figured it's something like that. So, but we have had a lot of fun. Is there anything else? We, I'd like let's save the ask Dudley for next week. Sure, We've been going for yeah. a long time. But I want to thank Jason Cleveland over here running the board. He has not fallen asleep today, which is a good thing. Max over here fact checking us and caught that. That's Max first. Can we hit the horns for Max, please? Yeah, there we go. Max, call something. Go back. Yeah. That's awesome. It was proved doubly wrong. It wasn't catching stuff. It was, he had motivation. Yeah, your mother's going to be so proud of you, Matt. There we go. All right, well, folks, we've had a good time. So say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, please. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. 
Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.